It's alright to be a little bitty, a little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little bitty while. Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Ungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Gird Up Podcast. This is an episode of Saturday Morning Coffee, which means that it's only about 15 minutes long, maybe less, maybe more. I haven't finished recording it yet, so I don't know how long it's going to be. Um, but this is the Gird Up Podcast, where we're focused on reclaiming masculinity in the modern world and growing as men of God, growing closer to each other, growing closer to our Heavenly Father, because um, like like the Proverbs say, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And guys, I love that I... Uh, we have a community of men that's growing, uh, getting bigger. Um, we're starting to interact with each other a little bit and grow in grace and knowledge of the truth together um, as a community of men, as a community of Christians. Um, so without any further ado, I want to get into today's episode. Um, I, I want to uh, rehash a little bit of a conversation I had with a friend <clears throat> the other day. It was we, we were talking about all kinds of things. We were talking about life in general, and he starts telling me about some of his struggles. Um, and they're real struggles for sure, but they're not they're not uncommon in our day and age. He's a young man. He went to college. He graduated from college. He, you know, he's out in the world now, and he had a job that he really, really loved right away coming out of college, and he was really good at it. It was a blessed experience for him. It was phenomenal, um, but it, it was a short-term gig, and it's over, and now he's been thrown out into the world to fend for himself, and he was not given the opportunity to do what he ended up getting a degree in. Um, and so he's working third shift at a gas station and he starts telling me about, um, he starts telling me about, he's had to start taking, uh, antidepressants and, he, and he's, uh, putting on weight and he's unhappy and he's finding himself, he can't, you know, like he can't even bring himself to ask a girl out and like all that kind of stuff that goes along with not being happy with where you are and not being in a healthy frame of mind and being where you want to be and how you want to be. And that's not rare. Um, there are some really staggering and scary statistics about men, particularly young men, in Western society right now. Um, there are more suicides among young men than there ever have been in history, and more than, far more than there are among women. Um, depression rates are skyrocketing. Um, young men who find satisfaction in their work and find satisfaction in their lives and believe that they are successful, those numbers are tiny right now, and, and they're getting smaller and smaller. And the fact is that for the most part, young men in our society are not happy. We're not happy, we're not content, and we're, we're, we're really not cool with where we are in our lives. And that's a shame. It's a shame because that's not the way God created us to be, and it's not where God wants to be, um, and it's not a reflection, especially for Christian men, it's not a reflection of who we are as children of God. Um, 
It reminds me of an Alan Jackson song. <laughs> Alan Jackson is one of the great uh, philosophers of our day. That's a joke, by the way. Uh, he's one of the great philosophers of our day, and he has a song that's called Little Bitty. And if you're familiar with the song Little Bitty, uh, you're going to laugh right away because it is a goofy, fun song. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, go listen to it. You're going to be singing it for the rest of the day. But the refrain of this uh, song is one, this is one of my favorites. The refrain of this song goes, it's all right to be Little Bitty, a little small town or a big old city. You might as well share. You might as well smile. Life goes on for a little bitty while. But the best verse of the song is see it's the third verse i think it says um you know you got a job and a little bitty check a six pack of beer and a television set the little bitty world goes around and around a little bit of silence and a little bitty little bit of sound um and it's a love song is really what it is is talking about it's okay to be little bitty there's nothing wrong with being a little bitty being a small town or in a big, you know, whether you're in a small town or whether you're in a big city, you don't have to be big and and important to be uh, content and to be happy. And I, this, the guy that wrote the song is Tom Hall, and I think he makes a great point. <clears throat> it, you don't have to be big and important to be happy. Uh, you also don't have to be big and important for God to use you in a very important way. All through the Old Testament, God uses people who are a little bitty uh, to do some really, really big things. Um, some examples of that. I want to start with uh, a guy named Gideon. He's one of my favorites. Um, Gideon, when God calls him in Judges chapter 6, uh, it's verse 15 is what I'm going to quote to you. But when God calls Gideon and says, Gideon, uh, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Gideon looks at God and says, but Lord... Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. (laughs) Who am I to do this? I can't. I'm I'm a little bitty, and I'm from a small town. The prophet Amos said something similar when he was called by God to be a prophet. Um, He went to the king, and the king accused him of being uh, on somebody else's payroll. And the prophet Amos looks at him and says, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I was a shepherd and I took care of fig trees, but the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people, Israel. Amos wasn't a big deal. He was a shepherd boy and God used him to do something great. I uh, think about, uh, Noah. Noah was one of the pivotal figures in scripture because if Noah hadn't been faithful to God, the whole world would have ended right there. The story of salvation and grace ends with Noah if Noah's not faithful to God. But if you look at Genesis 6, verses 9 and 10, there's nothing miraculous or impressive about Noah. It simply says, this is, this, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. He wasn't some great king or some great savior of the world. He simply loved God. And he, he raised a family that loved God. That's all he did. And God used him to, to, to bring new life again to the extremely wicked world. How about Boaz? Look at Boaz held up among uh, Christian circles as the, the epitome of manhood and masculinity. But if you look at what, not to diminish what Boaz does, what Boaz does is awesome and incredible. But if you look at what Boaz does, he's a local business owner. He's maybe a local politician would be a good comparison. Um, he's probably an elder at the church, but he's a normal and humble and godly man. And if you look at his treatment of Ruth at the beginning of the story, he's not trying to get something from Ruth. He's not being, you know, this 
awesome, great, benevolent. He just says, you know what? I know she's poor. I know she needs something I'm going to help provide for. Uh, fellas, when she's cleaning up in the fields, just leave a little extra for her because I know she's a relative of mine and she really needs the help. And then when he marries Ruth, it's not even his idea. It's not even his idea. He doesn't come to Ruth and say, Ruth, you're beautiful and I want to marry you. Ruth has to come to him and say, yo, Boaz, you're my kinsman redeemer, or you you could be my kinsman redeemer. You're a single guy. <laughs> I think we'd be great together. Let's, let's see if we can make this happen. And Boaz looks at her and says, yeah, all right, let's do it. Boaz is simply living as a man of God would. He's simply living as a man of God ought to. And that's an admirable thing, but it isn't anything miraculous or crazy. Boaz is just simply living as a man of God. And that's an example we ought to follow. Instead of going out and chasing after glory or feeling bad for myself or pitying myself because I'm not where I want to be or my life hasn't turned out exactly the way I want it to be, I ought to follow God's command to me. I ought to follow the Lord's advice. Um, I think it's most clearly stated in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon simply says the following. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 24 to the end of the chapter. He says, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too I see is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat and find enjoyment? To the man that pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Here's basically what God is saying. He's telling us to stay in our lane. Stay in your lane, bro. He's telling us, I've given you vocation. Well, maybe vacation too, but he's, he's given each of us a vocation. God has given each of us a vocation. If I look at my own life, um, my vocation is simple. I'm a teacher of children. That's one of my vocations. I'm a leader of men, and I'd like to think a scholar of masculinity or however you want to label that. Like I love the study of masculinity and manhood and Christian manhood, and I get to share it with you guys via a podcast. That's definitely one of my vocations. I'm also a member of a church, a young leader in my church, and that's a vocation I take very seriously. He also has vocations prepared for me in my future. In the future someday, hopefully sooner than later, I will be a husband and a father and someday down the road a grandfather. And that's a vocation that I ought to prepare myself for now. I'm a, I will someday be a school leader and probably a mentor. That's something that the Lord has probably put in my future, although you never know. And I don't know what else God has planned for me, but I do know that if I find contentment in what I'm doing right now, if I find joy in what I'm doing right now, and if I find joy in preparation for the next step, whatever that might be, even if I don't know what it is, God will bless my efforts, and God is going to send me happiness and health and contentment because I've chosen to trust him, because I've chosen to find joy in my daily life and my daily existence. I cannot control the future by worry or by fear or by working to create opportunities for myself. There's nothing wrong with trying to advance your career and looking forward to the next step, but don't let it consume you and don't let it change the way you look at yourself Your value is not in any way wrapped up in your vocation, in your job, in your paycheck. That's not your identity. Your identity is a child of God, and he has poured his identity into you now. And he says, go, make disciples, live for me, find joy and contentment 
in the life that I've given you, in the gifts that I've given you. He's my heavenly father. He's my righteous savior. I'm going to listen to what he tells me. And as for me and my household, I will praise the Lord. And this is how I will follow the Lord, by finding contentment in what I do, by finding joy in what I do, and doing what I do in my various vocations to the utmost of my ability, bringing glory to my heavenly father. Go live in grace and mercy and peace and make sure that you are chasing after the things that glorify your heavenly father because that is where we find joy and contentment. God blessings. <laughs> Have a great week, fellas. Gird up. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at the Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach Ungemach, that's U-N-G-E-M-A-C-H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five-star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four- and five-star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.